Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I am so grateful you've joined us on another episode of the podcast where week after week, I speak to amazing leaders and share their insights with you and hopefully inspire you. And if you love this episode, and I know you will, please subscribe, rate, review, tell others, tell others about this amazing resource so we can continue to bring you great programming. And I, and I am here to help you, the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow, navigate your challenges with confidence. And now I am so honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Dr. Robin Odegaard, who is also known as the mental MacGyver, and we're going to go there, is a former competitive beach volleyball player with 14 years of corporate experience and 15 years owning champion performance development. Her doctorate is in organizational business psychology with a concentration in sports and performance, and she has continuing education in nutrition. And oh my, she's written three books and given a TEDx talk titled Creating Success Out of Chaos. And you hear me talk about that a lot myself. Her daily video podcast is called Quick Hits and offers a five-week course called Better Conversations. And she adores the intellectual stimulation of great conversation. And oh my, she in her spare time, she reads astrophysics for fun, works out, tends to her garden, has way too many houseplants, and trains her dog Nebula to do circus tricks. I can't wait to get into this. Well, Welcome to the show, Robin. I'm exhausted just listening to that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now, I mean, that's what we have to do is just, we're humans. <laughs> we have our personal interests, our quirks and things, and that's what makes this podcast so valuable to my listeners. But a little bit to my listeners, I had the good fortune of meeting Robin through another podcast, Grappling the Gray with Rabbi Yannis and Goldson. We were having an amazing ethical <laughs> conversation, and then I got to know her, and some of the work that she does is so aligned with my brand. Again, about helping C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow with not just business challenges, but also some of the personal challenges. And she's got some amazing insight. I cannot wait for her to share with you, but she tells me she's got a great backstory. Tell me a little bit about yourself for our listeners and how you arrived at doing the work now. All right. Well, I arrived at doing the work by doing the work myself. My website says I create success out of chaos, and that's because my life was chaos. At 18 years old, my father married me off exactly like that sounds, married me off to a man who was 11 years my senior. He promptly moved me from California, where I grew up, over to Charlotte, North Carolina. So three weeks after graduating high school, I find myself in a place I don't know, married to a man I barely know. And it took me about six months to realize he was not very bright. He was very badly in debt, and he had a drug problem. But he did me a favor. He made me get a job. Married women in my family don't work, and I now had a job. And I could tell you all kinds of chaos, but I'll skip all of it to the end. Eight and a half years later, he threw me out. He told my dad it was because I was lazy. My dad called and gave me the riot act and told me if I had been appropriately submissive, I would have been able to make it work and that I was a failure. And I felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. 
20 years later, he called me back, my ex, and wanted to try again. I laughed at him. And he said, at least let me tell you what actually happened. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. What happened? Turns out the drug cartel he had gotten involved with didn't like me because they wanted to steal his identity, which they did end up doing. He almost ended up in federal prison. But they needed me out of the way because I did our finances and they knew I was bright and I was going to figure it out. So they convinced him that he could do better than me and that I was holding him back. And so he threw me out. So I might be the only person you ever meet who has a drug cartel to thank for getting me out of a bad marriage. So I'm, <laughs> I see your face. I see your face. But hold on. I'm not done. I spent about five years trying to figure out who I was as a grown up because I'd never been a grown up on my own. And then I made my own mistake. I married a narcissistic, closeted bisexual. Zero out of five stars do not recommend. But he moved me from Charlotte up to Long Island and then promptly took a job in London, England. Now I'm just a pretty girl living on Long Island with a high school diploma. I cannot get a job interview. So he says to me, we don't need your silly money anyway. Why don't you just go to college? And so for the next six years, I got three degrees. I got an undergrad, a master's, and a doctorate in six and a half years. He then moved back from London. We realized that relationship was not tenable in the same household. That is not a thing. The divorce was as ugly as you can imagine it would be. And in the end, I had a book that I turned my dissertation into a book. And I had a business. And I had to figure out how to put a roof over my head. And that is where this business started. Oh, my. Oh my, and you said you this was going to be a roller coaster, <laughs> but th there's so much in there, you know, all the thread though, that goes through and through, despite the circumstances that you were put in and navigate through, you still seem to come out ahead or it ultimately say, I got to pull myself by the bootstraps and I've got to do X. I've got to be in control, even though it seemed like circumstances may not in your control. Where did that come from to say, despite this, I'm going to still survive? Well, the best advice I was ever given was, Robin, you are resilient. Stop making decisions that make you prove it. That was what happened for me is I had to realize, yes, I can put myself in these difficult situations and yes, I can get myself out of them. But why do I put myself in them to begin with? I needed to take more control uh, on the front end of situations rather than letting the chaos build to the point that this is completely untenable and have to fix it. You know, it's interesting, a lot of us who are helping others with their mental models or in their technical work, we too have been through the dark side, up and down, and come through those challenges. But as you said, it makes us more resilient, have some real relatable experiences to be able to help others. And again, this mental thing, all of a sudden it just triggered a thought. I remember making a third, fourth job out of college. Somebody, I don't know where the C-suite leader, he was a vice president of something, came up to me and says, are you intimidated? And I was kind of taken aback by the question, didn't actually respond right away. I might have made a grimace or a weird face. And he said, well, let me tell you, he said, nobody can intimidate you. Only you can allow others to intimidate you. Mm. And it was that statement that completely flipped it. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, where, like, why don't I have confidence? Well, who took it away? Wait a second. I'm in control of whether I am confident or not. Again, being able to flip the narrative and hold yourself back. But when somebody says only you could be allow others to intimidate you, it puts you back in a place of control. Resiliency puts you back in a place in control and able to move forward. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go there. Mental MacGyver, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So mental MacGyver um, it actually was a moniker that was given to me by a client. He and I were working on something and 
I completely jokingly, he was like, you just took all these little pieces and made it work. And I jokingly said, I'm like a mental MacGyver. And he had just exited a marketing firm and he looked me dead in the eye and said, Robin, you need to get that URL and you need to start using that because that is exactly what you do. You take all the little bits and pieces and you make it work. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did. And it went along with like, I had a client call me a smoke jumper. I parachuted in and helped fight life's fires from the inside. But I felt like I couldn't use that because smoke jumper is a real job. People who parachute in behind fire lines. And I was like, I can't call myself that. That's not fair to people who put their lives at risk to fight fires. But mental MacGyver, I can attach to that. Okay. So this is so funny. So again, you and I knew each other, but and I, I kind of knew that was one of your your brand, but it's the same thing. Drop-in CEO. Somebody asked me one day, Deb, what do you do? Well, I'm like the drop-in CEO. I do this. I drop in. I help the leader. I elevate the people. And then you pull me out. And they said, where'd that come from? I said, I, 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 I just, just made it up. <laughs> but yeah. it was an image. It was something. It was like somebody in my past that did that kind of work. And mm-hmm. I put a line to it. And then I, six months later, I owned it. So kudos to you for <laughs> letting whatever come out of your mouth come out and then owning that because that's how all of us who are trying to make it get that distinct presence, that distinct brand stand out because there's 8 billion people in the world. We need to embrace what makes us different. So tell me more, being a mental MacGyver, how do you help people with that expertise? <laughs> yeah, so I've kind of created a, a five-point paradigm as just because it helps people understand, because I have a Swiss army knife of skills and tools that I bring to the party. So I'm kind of like, where are you? What do you need? Let's build whatever it is with my Swiss army knife and mental MacGyver skills. But here's what the five point plan or paradigm kind of looks like. It starts with, this is the question I love to ask. And I think this is an important question. What do you want to be different? Because you can ask the question, what's your dream? What's your goal? What's your plan? That's a very different question than if I ask you, what do you want to be different? Because it's much easier for someone to talk about what's broken. And if I can get you to talk about what's broken, we can figure out what fixed looks like. So once I ask that question, then I I can start to unpack the problem. And in psychology, we have this idea, everything's there at entry. You just can never see it. So my goal is to figure out what is the problem? What needs to happen? What's important to you? And a lot of times people come to me and they, they come to me for whatever, their, whatever issue it is. It might be personal. It might be their business. It might be a combination, but we never stay there. That's not what the only issue is. It always grows. And so what do you want to be different turns into vision? What, what is the benefit? What do you want to get out of there? And that is what gives us that. Then we can look at strategy. And this is what everybody does, right? Strategy, problem deconstruction, backcasting, pre-mortems, all of, we can do that. Yay. We can do tactical plans and structures and we can look at resources and skills and knowledge and processes. Great. You know what you run into when once you have all that stuff? You run into your psychological barriers, the head trash, the I know what I should be doing, but I'm not doing that. That's where the mental MacGyver comes in. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to laugh all the way through this podcast because... <laughs> We have the opportunity, you and me, to promote what we do, our <laughs> podcasts, our books, et cetera. And we're going to get into your book as well, The CEO's Compass, my first chapter. Again, one, it's why did I write the book? But the chapter is I start talking to the person. I said, 
this is for you. My book is for you. (laughs) What kind of leader are you? What kind of leader do you want to be? Has the old leadership served you in the past, but no longer serve you now? And also ask yourself, do you want to continue to be a leader? And if not, or you can't answer these questions, I say, put the book down. Because none of this other stuff, the strategy, the tactical goal Mm -hmm. vision, or my seven points on the compass to get to peace of mind is not going to work until we figure out what's inside, Mm -hmm. to your point, the Mm -hmm. head trash. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So let's empty the head head trash. What's head trash? Because I know you work with some leaders and it could be all shapes, forms, sizes, even some pretty ugly stuff. Here's the thing about head trash. It's probably not your fault. It is your problem. Explain. Yeah. <laughs> so you may not be the cause. You The head trash that you carry around and you're going to be like, oh no, here she goes. She's a psychologist. It probably comes from your past. The cause is somewhere in your past. And we can go find it. We can dig it up and we can exhume it and we can look at it. Oh, fine. Maybe we need to do that. But it's not your fault. It's in the past. The solution is in the present. What you do today determines whether today turns into a repeat of the past. But the motivation is in the future. The future self, the you that is better, different, things are the way you want them to be. So how do you draw that motivation of your future self into the present so that you can change today to not be a recreation of the past? I love this. I love this. While I don't have the three degrees that you have. And congratulations, because that's a huge accomplishment. And you you. you do help so many people with this knowledge. But I too will, (laughs) when I'm mentoring, I mentor a few people as well. Um, You look at the person, but you have to listen deeply to what they're saying, what they're not saying, the body language. And when you put all that data together, you say, "Hmm, there's something else there I need to dig into. And they might say, well, in the past, or I thought of myself this way. And I said, that's great. It's a great starting point. But then I'll fast forward them. I said, well, where do you see yourself in the future? And, And again, I know that's an interview question, but you have to visualize the future and to your point, deconstruct. (laughs) backwards engineer, then what are those steps then to get there? But if you can't see the future, there's no way you can pull yourself out of the past, out of the trash, out of the things that caused you to feel, do, and act a certain way now. But I I love that. It's so important. And even if somebody out there hasn't worked with a coach or a, a I don't know, a mentor or somebody, I I suggest you might, because while you may be highly aware, there are still blind spots and things that could potentially be holding you back. It's amazing the things that someone else can ask you a question about. And you're like, I never even thought about that. And that's what having that other person, a a brain that works really well, that has some knowledge and has some experience where they can point something out and go, oh, but wait a minute, what about this thing over here? And you go, oh, and I don't know about you. It happens to me with my coaches and mentors where I share stuff and they're like, Really? And I go, oh my goodness. I know. Let, yes, let's look at that thing. Yeah, it's it's so cool when you get those aha moments and you just, it, as much introspection and self-awareness one might have, you're not going to get it unless you have an outside view. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track 
to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven-point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now, back to the conversation. So let's just bring this real. You're a lot of fun. I love what you do, but I would love to know perhaps a situation where somebody showed up on your doorstep with all kinds of head trash and what were where were they at? What was your approach to bring them through this to have a more fulfilling life? How did you bring out your Swiss warming knife? So tell me a little bit more. Yeah. So before I, I dive into a specific um, example, I do want to give you give your listeners some ideas of what it might look like. So head trash can look like imposter syndrome, self-sabotage upper limiting, overwhelm. You may have cultural baggage, negative self-talk, lack of focus, feeling overworked, underwhelmed, undervalued, underutilized, underestimated, all of that, all that noise. And it can come from relationships, past, present, future, emotional, mental, spiritual, psychological. There's a lot of things. And I just want to throw that out there because I don't want anybody to get hooked up on the fact that I'm going to give an example and they're going to be like, well, that's not me. So maybe it doesn't apply to me. So trust me when I say this, if you are successful, this applies to you. We all have it. So what kind of head trash gets in the way? I had a client come to me and he says to me, Robin, I just successfully exited a business. I have all of this money. My wife doesn't like me. My kids don't like me. And I don't think I like me. Hmm. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. And so what we started doing is, what do you want to be different? What do you want it to look like? And, you know, do you want your marriage to last? Do you want to save it? Do you want to walk away from it? What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. No, I want to save it. All right, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your relationship with your spouse and how you show up there and why she loves you and why you love her and all the things. You know, let's talk about your relationship with your kids. So this is a personal example I'm giving. But we walk through this paradigm of where are you self-sabotaging this? Where are you not being the partner that your spouse needs? Where are you not being the father? Where do you have control? Because the thing is, humans that we love, and I know you see this, I want to control the uncontrollable and I'm going to ignore the things I can actually do something about. Interesting perspective. You see people all the time. I want to change you. I want you to be different. I don't want to have to work on myself. I don't want to do anything over here. I want you to be different. So I'm going to change you. That's not a thing. I don't get to change you. I get to change the step that I do in this dance. And then you get to change your step based on what I did. And if that works, we get to continue to dance together. Mm. It's not a wrestling match. That's not the way life works. I so get that. I mean, My husband, I was complaining to my husband about somebody that like, oh, why do they do this? Why do they do that? Oh, it it bothers me. I can't get it out of my head. I always get, you know, upset when they do X. And I he said to me, so why do you give them such relevance? And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's all me. I'm giving them more relevance versus they're a human, accept them for who they am. I'm not going to let them bother me. It's Mm -hmm. all about, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you got to fix yourself. You got to, you got to move to change what it is that you want to see maybe in others. 
A great example of that, I had a client come to me because he discovered partner fraud. His partner had been funneling money out of the business for a long time. Mm. And we had to deal with the shame and the guilt and the I feel stupid and how could I have let this happen? Why didn't I see it? We had to deal with all of that. I mean, I wasn't involved with all the lawyers and everything. I was just dealing with him and his reaction to that problem. So it's interesting. What I'm hearing is I'm thinking about all the different guests that I've interviewed. Sometimes we do need business coaches, but I wonder, you know, why did you like get into this line of work versus the business coach line? Because sometimes people will say, well, look at your business. Where do you want to go? You need to do more sales, more marketing. But I don't hear many of those types of coaches, those business coaches spend time on the inner work. Well, and, and what I noticed, yeah, yeah. oh, I don't mean to interrupt you. I no, please. What I noticed, so I've, I've done business coaching. Absolutely. I can do that. Strategy. Yes. That's yay. But what I noticed was that there was a gap. There's executive coaches and business coaches and they do all of that. And then there's life coaches, which, oh, oh, okay. They're usually 25 years old and don't have any life experience. But anyway, there's life coaches. But what about that space where you're, you're a high power, successful, driven, I work, you know, with mostly men, not exclusively, but mostly men who doesn't have friends, you have bros, you have people you drink with and golf with, but you don't really have anybody you're going to talk to because that's not safe. As one client said, I like talking to you because I can not know and it doesn't negatively affect my stock price. Like they're, they, where is that inner, that where the Venn diagram overlaps, where you've got this super successful CEO type person who has a life, but he's not going to talk to a life coach and a therapist who's going to say, well, what do you think you should do about that? And he's going to be like, <laughs> I knew that I wouldn't talk to you. And wh- where is, and I realized that there was a gap there and I just kind of started doing it with my clients because they needed it and I'm good at it. So how do you find your clients or how do they find you? Not through referrals from the people who work with me because they keep it very close to the chest. These guys are not telling anybody that they've got a mental MacGyver in their court. That's not a thing. But the people who work with them, so financial advisors, people who help people exit businesses, lawyers. I have one guy who he does artwork for very high net worth people. He's referred a couple people to me. And what I always say is never say to someone, you need a shrink. I know a good one. No, do not say that. (laughs) The right thing to say is, you know what? I know this woman who is trained in confidentiality. She's interesting. I think she's funny. She's got this weird business model I've never seen anyone else do. She's got a podcast you can go be on. Go talk to her. I think you'd enjoy the conversation. So it's really interesting. So then you get the person to on the phone or on the call uh, with you. How do they show up? Do they start like revealing all their inner issues? How do you open them up? Because again, what I'm, I'm also turning to my audience. If you know somebody, call mm. Dr. Robin. If you know somebody that just needs somebody to be able to break through some of those internal barriers to be able to guide their business in the right direction, have the life they want. I said, if you know somebody, refer them to Robin. But how do they show up first? How does the, those initial 10 minutes look like mm. in order to find out, are they going to be a good client and be aware Do you have to hit him over the head with that (laughs) MacGyver knife or what? (laughs) Yeah. So the first, the first thing I do is called a hello conversation. And that's just 25 minutes of who are you? Where are you? Who am I? What questions do you have? What can I tell you? And at the end of that, if we're like, yeah, this person's not horrible. I could have a decent conversation. The next step is what I call as a powerful conversation. And that's two hours in my calendar. You don't have to use all of it, but it's two hours in my calendar. 
And that's where we do the work. And what I find is the first hour is their story and the image they're trying to create. And the second hour is where we start doing the work. And I start asking the difficult questions. And I start saying, do you trust me to take you on this journey? Is this something we can do together? And at the end of that two hours, there's a couple of options. They can say, thank you. This has been awesome. And they can pay me what they think it's worth. No price tag on it. They pay me what they think it's worth. You would be shocked the size of the checks that I get for two hours of my time from people who are paying for powerful conversations. Big numbers. Then at that point, if you decide, you know what? I get what you do and I need that in my life because it's amazing and it makes me a better human and it makes me smarter and it makes my business better. Then we can talk about what does it look like to have me on your team? That's Mm. the way my business model works. So there is no commitment to learning whether you can benefit from me being a mental MacGyver for you or not. So you have those two hours and then at the end? No risk. No risk. Nothing but benefit. And then where do you want to take this from you? And and I can say, you can either pay me right now or or we can continue this journey together. Yeah. What do you want to, and the end of my, end of those two hours, I always say, what do you want to have happen next? Really, really, really powerful questions. I really want my listeners to think about this because it kind of takes the pressure off of you if you're trying to put forward some kind of offer or some kind of uh, initiative, but throwing it back to the other side and ask, what do you want to have happen next? What do you see as the next step? Takes the pressure off of you. And shows also respect for the other person. And then also in the process, when they respond, you get to understand where their head is at, whether if there is even an opportunity to continue forward or what, where do they want to take it? It's a powerful question. What do you see next? What would you like to happen next? Very, very powerful questions. So I love what you do. (laughs) And I think I know a few people out there that could use your services. But when we think about this, I was looking on social media. So, oh, let me look at some of her social media, see if I can bring forward some, you know, thought leadership topics. And I, I forgive me, I did not realize you have, you're an avid creator with the Quick Hits uh, podcast. Tell me more about why you do that. Who does it serve? Because it's prolific. And how many episodes have you done? I counted them yesterday. I think I'm at like 125 now. Oh, so amazing. No, so five, sorry, 525 now. Yeah. <sighs> So I started it in February of 2021 because I was intellectually lonely. I missed having interesting conversations with thoughtful people because I used to do a lot of corporate training and public speaking. I was out in public a lot. And with the pandemic, that went away. And so I started the podcast just as an idea to bring together a panel of people. So it's four people, 10 minutes, one topic. And I bring together a panel. I ask them a question and we talk for 10 minutes about it. And I get their ideas and their experience and their their tips and their advice and and if they're confused and it's just phenomenal. I've created such a great community. I'm so blessed to have a community of people who are thoughtful and interesting and they want to have intellectually stimulating conversations. So where is that taking you? I mean, obviously you did it out of a personal need and mm-hmm. people have shown up, but mm-hmm. were there any side effects or things that you didn't expect to happen that has happened as a result of all of these conversations? So a couple of things have happened. One, it gives it's a really easy entry point for someone who wants to kind of be in my network and they're not sure if they want to work with me and they want to get, and clients when they do come to me, they say I feel like I know you because I've watched your podcast. Right? They they get to see me as a person who has interesting conversations, not as someone who's trying to shrink them or something. I'm just having interesting conversations. So that's been a, a win. 
The other thing that's happened that I did not anticipate prior to quick hits, I'm a luxury level service. Like you have to be of a certain means to be able to work with someone like me. A concierge high performance psychologist is not something you just hire on a McDonald's salary. And prior to quick hits, I used to get a lot of pushback of, I don't know, can we discount that? What are our options? Like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't get that anymore, ever. People say to me, I totally understand why you're worth that. My Mm -hmm. podcast has nothing to do with the work that I do. Side benefit. It's been amazing. So I share that. The Drop-In CEO Podcast. I am... 300 plus episodes into this journey, sharing my solo episodes with my own thought leadership for C-suite leaders of tomorrow, and also some amazing conversations with C-suite leaders and experts such as yourself. I did it because of the enjoyment and the love of the conversation. I did it because I wanted to do it on my terms, my platform, Mm -hmm. rather than chasing Mm -hmm. other people. And to your point, we are building relationships with people directly and indirectly. And I will absolutely say and validate, and anybody thinking about there, if you don't have unique thoughts to share with the world, I would suggest you rethink that and shout from the highest mountain, create your platform, build your community, because not only you're influencing the people that you know, but people, to Robin's point, that you haven't met yet are watching you, mm-hmm. watching and listening to what you do. Mm-hmm. And I will validate what you said. Once people meet me, they already know me. They feel comfortable. It's about their situation. And often the price is not discussed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They just say, what does it look like to work with you? Where do I where do I send the check? Where do I send the ACH wire transfer? Whatever. And I'll tell you, that's a mental issue I had. Starting out, here's my rates, please. Is this okay? <laughs> Almost asking permission. And, you know what, uh, Deb, though? I'll tell you, I still, <laughs> when I raise my rates, I still have to practice saying it to make sure I can say it without stumbling over it. Very, very cool. So writing a book. Are you done writing books? You got another one in the makes? Makings? <sighs> books. People always want me to write books. People want to hear the story of my, my, my journey. Like that's the book that people keep saying, you need to write that book. You need to write that book. The thing is, I don't know if that book's going to be valuable for people. Interesting. Yes. Cathartic. Maybe useful. I don't know. So I don't know the answer to your question, I guess, is the, is the, is the best way to say it. Well, I think that is, is that you're, you're telling your story over and over again. Maybe it doesn't have to be a book, but via, via these platforms, the podcast interviews and sharing your story, it's a bridge for people to get to know Robin and yeah. learn about your TEDx and learn about the three previous books and to check out Quick Hits and get to know the mental MacGyver. And maybe there's somebody or themselves in their network to have a conversation, no obligation, you might actually get some amazing value from it. Mm-hmm, exactly. So we'll see what where, where it goes next. Right now, I'm really enjoying this point in my business where I get to make a difference and have really intense relationships with people. Uh, if you have a minute, I'll give you one quick example. I had a client I was doing a business business stuff with him, been working with him for about three months. He called me on a Saturday and he said, Robin, you have to help me. My dad just went on life support. I'm the executor. Help me decide if I'm going to kill my father. That's the level of trust my clients have in me is when he had to make that choice, I'm the person he called, not because he wanted medical advice, but because he knew he needed to talk through the psychological and emotional stress of that kind of decision. Mm. Amazing. What a story. 
You're an amazing storyteller. And I know you and I could swap stories for hours, but we are going to bring this to a close shortly. I will give you the floor one last time to speak to my listeners before we bring this to a close. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me here. That's awesome. I guess the best way for people to find me, they can find me at mentalmagiver.com. They can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on YouTube, Quick Hits with Dr. Robin. And the advice that I would love to give, and this, this is going off of what we've talked about a little bit, is that be careful who you surround yourself with. When you learn there's no water in a well, stop going there looking for a drink. Find a well that nourishes your soul. And that's where I'll leave it. And on that note, thank you for dropping in on the podcast, Dr. Robin. Thank you. Such insight. You're a great storyteller. It was just so much fun going back and forth with you and sharing so many ways that we do help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow. And I do want to wish you well and much success. Thank you. And same. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.